Training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pendola Project. Katie, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Matt. Absolutely. It's just so much fun to watch my athletes progress and grow and learn and discover. But really, I'm so blessed because you keep coming back to me every summer, even after high school. And sometimes I don't get my high school ba- athletes back in. And that's, that's okay. Not all of them come back in during the summer, but you always do. So I'm so grateful you're back in for the summer. And we thought we'd talk a little bit today about you, your life, your journey. And I think you're just a great role model for all athletes out there. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Katie. Well, thank you, first of all, for that very kind introduction. Um, I, like Matt had said, I am a rising senior at Davidson College. I uh, play Division One basketball there, and it's been quite quite a journey to get to where I am today. Um, so just a quick backstory, as you had asked, um, about how I got there. I grew up playing every kind of sport imaginable. I have two very active parents. Um, My dad played football in college. My mom was a super successful basketball player in high school. Um, My brother ended up playing golf at West Point. He graduated last spring, and he was just my role model growing up. I wanted to be just like him because not only was he the perfect brother, but he was just the perfect person in every way. Um, wow. That's a, yeah. <laughs> that's a nice compliment. Uh, what's your brother's name? Nick, Nick Turner. Yeah. He is currently in Alabama um, learning at flight school, learning to fly helicopters for the army. Um, so if that doesn't tell you the kind of person that he is, I don't know. I don't know what will, but he was just, he showed me what it looked like to work hard to be kind to others, to excel in the classroom, and um, to be successful in sports, and probably most importantly, to never give up, because in a lot of ways, he was counted out um, as well. And so, yeah, just to grow up with him was pretty phenomenal. I have not had the pleasure of working with your brother, Nick. Uh, Now, I kind of wish I had listening about about him, but uh, you said he was kind of counted out. What What does that mean? Why was he counted out? Well, so he, like myself, played a lot of sports growing up, and he never got super serious into golf until a little bit later. Um, He had been playing basketball, like myself, um, and so it was around high school when he really decided that that's what he wanted to do in college, was to play golf, and so... You know, he wasn't traveling all over the country to these massive tournaments like a lot of other kids were to get recruited for golf because that's sort of what you have to do. Um, So a lot of people just thought, you know, he wouldn't make it, that he um, either wasn't good enough or he wasn't being seen by enough people. And sure enough, he was um, picked up by West Point, and that that was what he wanted to do. And so everything worked out the way it was supposed to. I happen to know your mother pretty well at this point. Just an amazing lady. I have to admit, don't know your dad as well, mm-hmm. but your mom would always uh, come in here to talk to me about your training at the time, and she kind of took that role. I imagine because she was a superstar basketball player when she was in high school, and so it was just kind of her forte, what she did. And she was always curious as to what we were going to be doing in your training. Mm -hmm. And so I got to know her really well, and she was always just very, very easy to work with both of you in that sense. You were a team that way, I felt. Mm -hmm. 
But I remember she asked me just about some specific training that basketball players should be doing in her mind. And I completely agreed with her. But at the time, I said, we have to get through the fundamentals first. And mm -hmm. so this is, again, people who have listened to this podcast know I'm always preaching, get your GPP work in. That's your general physical preparation work. And sometimes that can be a year or longer. So I remember we had done that for a good year or so without getting all too specific. And yet you were getting faster and you were jumping higher. And I said, you know, we're, we're training her so that you're not super tall, although you've gotten taller since, since then. Um, I, I, I got you when you were, I think 15, right? 15? Mm, a little bit early. I think I was 14 because 14. yeah, but I was just worth adding. I was, when I came to you, I was what? Five foot, 110 pounds. I don't even know. I mean, it, you were like, wait, you want to play division one basketball? And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to air this podcast a week after Gabby's. And that's also because you happened to play against Gabby when she was a senior. Mm -hmm. You were a freshman. I didn't know you yet at that point. <laughs> I was working with Gabby and they went to play against Minogue. That's the high school you played for. And there was this little gnat of a girl just guarding Gabby. And it was just, I mean, you, you were so on fire that game. You were just all over her. And I know she actually complained about it afterwards. Like, who is this girl? She's like, and I thought you had something to prove against. I mean, Gabby was the number one player in the nation at that point. Mm -hmm. And I felt like you had something to prove against her. But no, when I went to watch another game, there you were just as intense and even though Minogue, I believe in that game, you were, guys were just killing it, you were still just equally intense mm -hmm. in that game. That's just how you play. Am I right? Oh, yeah. That's – I always grew up with the underdog mentality, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that I was small. Um, I played with the boys all growing up, so every gym I ever walked into, everyone was like, who is this? You know, like, why is she here? Um, and then like, even as I got older, it was like, wait, you, are you sure you like, you want to play division one basketball? That's, that's a tough thing to accomplish. And so I always had that never give up can do attitude. Um, and so when I f went up against Gabby and just in every game, like you had mentioned, that's, that's how I approached it. Um, but I was so lucky to be able to play against someone like Gabby. I mean, to have that in your backyard, I mean, you don't get that hardly ever in Reno, Nevada. So it was pretty incredible of an experience to be able to do that. And people can't see it, but in my studio here, which is also my office, I, I did have a renovation done. So I don't have a lot of pictures uh, up yet. And I tried to keep the office a little cleaner and, and didn't want to put as much stuff up on the walls. Also because we have the soundproofing in here now. But if you notice, you are one of the few pictures that I still have up right next to Gabby. And that's for a reason because I'm always telling people that you can train tall. And I always use you as an example for that. But Thank also, you. yes, of <laughs> course. Yeah. And also just for your never give up mentality, because sure, even though you had the odds stacked against you, you never looked at that way. And you just related to that. And your point is that you see it as a challenge, not a threat. This is such an important point. But it took you a good year or so before we started seeing some of those results that we wanted to see. And then you skip ahead to your senior year. You were the Nevada Gatorade 
uh, Player of the yeah. Year, correct? That, that was my junior year, but yes. Your junior That's, year. Mm-hmm. And I remember your mother, she sent me a picture, and you were tipping off with the ball, and you had probably this girl that was tipping against you had like six inches on you maybe, mm-hmm. and, you, and you were just about two inches above her hand in that picture. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely amazing, and that was the perfect shot. I'm going to try to find that. Maybe we can put that up for the podcast mm-hmm. of what your training had done for you. And I was so proud of you because I knew that took years to accomplish. It wasn't just put in six weeks of preseason training and get that result, mm-hmm. was it? No. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to say that I can sit here very confidently, no doubt in my mind, that if I hadn't come to you when I was a freshman in high school, there is absolutely no way I would have been well you know recruited the way I was because he is the real deal um and I am living breathing proof of that so thank you Matt for that well no thank thank you that's that's too kind so yeah I don't know how much I I deserve that praise but I'll I'll take it of course (laughs) and uh I tell you what I can't thank you enough though because this is something that I've struggled with in the past as a coach is that to get the quality that we want with an athlete, I feel like I'm competing sometimes with the, the influencers out there and, you know, just get fast quick, right? Mm-hmm. And, and be able to get these results in the preseason or let's say in three to six weeks. And although I do believe that I can get an athlete faster in a short amount of time, to have the lasting results, mm-hmm. it takes much longer than that. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about with your training? What kind of advice would you give athletes out there? I know, for example, with your protocol, you ended up really sticking to that and understanding the value of that a lot more. Mm-hmm. But what do you think is the most valuable part of your training that you still keep up with today? Yeah, that's a great question. Um Definitely protocol is one of them. I mean, when you're over playing for goodness, how long, like five, six months in a row um, with really no breaks, your body tends to start to to deteriorate. And so just remembering, and I've done this every year at Davidson, but just remembering the different movements and the different um, movement protocol that you've given your athletes and you've given me for the past, I don't know what, seven years, um, is so valuable and so critical to keep up with, especially late as the season, you know, goes along. Um, but I think one thing too, is just the work ethic that you teach in here. And I've always had a pretty good work ethic, but like you don't accept anything but excellence in your gym. And I think that that is huge and is a huge testament to you, but just carrying that over into my workouts over at Davidson, um, is definitely something that, I continue to do each day. Wow, that's that's fantastic to hear. And just for the listeners out there that uh, may not be as familiar with protocol, uh, first of all, you should listen to more of my episodes because <laughs> I explained that a, a bit. But for Katie, we do some banded pull apart type of movements, face pull apart type movements for soul, for her shoulder to help disintegrate the shoulder. We also do some lateral line work. So Med, med, glute med and the, the movements that work more if you can think of something like a lateral bridge with a leg raise those are the type of things that she's describing in protocol and those are the type of things she can do every day and uh, we're always just trying to improve so even yesterday we did some 
isometric type of movements and tried to figure out where we needed to focus on a little bit more with what we call end range expansion in your joints because it's uh, the stability and mobility equals ability. That's kind of what I try to teach you guys. And the thing I give you a lot of credit for is you really buy into that and you don't think that it's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And so that that really helps because you are an example for the other kids and they see how good that you are and where you've gotten to in your career. And it helps me out quite a bit because they buy in that much sooner, that much quicker, wouldn't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, it's funny, I walked into the office today and I was like, man, Matt, I am so sore. And it was funny because yesterday, as you were saying, like we didn't do a huge like strength routine. I don't even think we lift up a single weight. Um, and yet this morning I was just like, oh my goodness, my hips were on fire. Um, and that's just the kind of work that you give your athletes and the things that you can do with um, just you know, the research that you put in, the work that you put in. And so um, you don't really get that anywhere else. And it's something really special, I think. Well, thank you. Yeah, just the, the training, the best training to me is, is usually the training you haven't been doing. So mm-hmm. when, you, when you guys come in from college, a lot of times the first place we're going to start is with the basics again. Mm-hmm. And if I have an athlete that's ready for more than that and it's clear they're just acing everything, then we can move a little bit quicker forward. But mm-hmm. That's rarely the case, not just with you, but all of our athletes, because the body gets beaten up a little bit in season, and then it does take some time to rebuild some of that base or Mm -hmm. to strengthen that base to its best capacity and then move forward in the season. And so with um, your training and your protocol and all of the movements that you do on a daily basis, how many hours are we talking about in a typical day or in a week that you give to basketball to, you know, to be a better version of yourself for the sport? Um, do you want that answer in like the summer or in mid season? Cause it does kind of vary. Yeah, no, that's, I love it. So yeah, let's start right now with the summer. What, what are we doing and how many hours of work are we putting in, uh, compared to the season? What is the season? Mm-hmm. So the summer I make an effort to not rest a ton, but do give my body a little bit of a rest because when you're in season for, like I mentioned earlier, you know, five, whatever months, it's nonstop, you know, you don't get a break and that's just the life of a division one athlete. And so during the summer, I'd say probably on average, you know, four hours a day, um, maybe three and a half working on basketball conditioning, um, in here with you, Matt, And so uh, that's pretty consistent, I would say, during the summer, during a typical week. Oh, goodness. In season, um, well, you have to take in travel. You have to take in film. You have to take in lifts and recovery and practice and, you know, team meals. And it's just so, so much, um, especially when you get in season. So I don't know, maybe 30-plus hours a week if I had to give an estimate. Yeah, that's so that's why I brought that up because it is, it's something that you love, mm-hmm. but it's like a job. Oh, yeah. And at the same time, you're in a, a very high-pressure cooker type of situation academically as well. Mm-hmm. So you're you're playing Division One, but also dealing with the academic workload of a collegiate athlete, and that's very tough to manage. So during the summer, I really try to encourage my athletes 
not necessarily do less. I think you said it well. You you do a lot still, but mm-hmm. more things I think that are things you can enjoy, even going out for a hike mm-hmm. and spending time in the outdoors, hiking up a mountain, just mm-hmm. doing things you might not normally have the time to do in season, but mm-hmm. it's still good for your overall physical fitness and your preparedness. What, um, what I don't like as much is for my athletes to really grind hard all summer and then feel burnt out by the time the season starts up. I want a little bit of that, uh, sort of fuel and also just, um, that feeling in your belly, like, oh man, I really want to do more now. I'm, I'm itching to get back into the season. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a careful balance, but, uh, you were talking a little bit more about with before the podcast started about just with your schedule and the stress and things that you have to deal with, mm-hmm. but talk a little bit about your school, mm-hmm. your studies, and also some of your struggles when it came to uh, performance and, and being a student. Yeah. So being, um, a student athlete, like the key word there is student athlete, you know? So, um, especially at a high academic, you know, intense school like Davidson school is the priority, Um, And I think that's a lot of reasons why, I mean, we're small, like we compete really well in our conference, but it's been a while since Davidson and really any sport has been the top of their conference. And I think a lot of that just has to do with the priorities of the students that go there. Um, And I can speak for myself. I mean, basketball is obviously extremely important to me, but, you know, I've always put school above basketball, even if it's just a little bit, I have always strived to excel in the classroom first and I think that's the attitude of pretty much every Davidson student athlete and so um, when you're in the middle of the season that can become pretty difficult you know because you have these academic responsibilities that you want to excel in and really strive um, to achieve but at the same time you want to win games you want to be at the top of your um, at the top of your game every single day so with that comes a lot of pressures and challenges which I'm happy to talk about yeah i i think looking at the long haul looking at two or three or four years is always important so you can ask yourself am i able to keep doing this whatever that you're committing yourself to it's got to be realistic i can Mm -hmm. keep this up or if it's just during the championship phase of the season maybe some more of your attention just does switch over more to basketball but you know that there's about six weeks of that and then you're going to have a little bit of a break right Mm -hmm. but we still struggle and what i i'm always amazed at what my athletes deal with and go through and accomplish but reading through your questionnaire before we started today I had not realized that you had struggled with some depression issues. So Mm -hmm. you thankfully have agreed to talk about that a little bit. And I think it's just so important because there are, there are more and more athletes coming out and talking about this now because people are sharing their stories. And I feel like we don't, we're not alone anymore. Mm -hmm. We know that this is typical. And, And as a distance runner, I I had a lot of depression issues when I was younger, too, and did not, especially back in those days, I didn't feel like that's something you ever talked about, and you didn't really go get help for it either. Mm -hmm. So with your scenario, Katie, what happened there, and uh, how did you you commit to getting healthier again mentally? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, just to set the stage, my sophomore year of college, which was 
about a year and a half, two years ago now, um, I really struggled with anxiety and depression. And I would have panic attacks in practice, in games, in everyday life. You know, I'd just be sitting in my room and I'd all of a sudden have an anxiety attack. And I had no idea what was going on. Um, I know I had mentioned to you before this, I kind of call it the invisible enemy because it's not something that you can, you know, get a CT scan and point to like, here's what's wrong with you. Here's how we're going to treat it. It's like all of a sudden you're feeling this way and you don't know why. So um, I saw a counselor for nearly three months over at Davidson. They have an excellent um, health center that you can go to and provide support for students like myself. Um, And he encouraged me to do some intense journaling and some reading, which I really did. And that proved to help me a lot um, over the couple months that, you know, it was really bad. And so nobody, nobody knew that I was going through this, not my coaches, teammates, parents, um, best friends, like nobody knew. And that was 100% my decision and it wasn't necessarily because I felt like I would come off as weak I just felt like I had so many responsibilities and I had placed these expectations on myself that I wanted to be strong enough to go through it alone and so you know looking back at it I there was no doubt in my mind that would have been that it would have been so much easier had I let someone in had I told someone about it um because like you had said you know so many people go through this and I later found out that another young lady on my team was going through something that same year and had I known that had she known what I was going through maybe we could have helped each other out together so I am very open to talking about it and sharing my experience and I'm happy to say that I've come such a long way and I haven't had an anxiety attack for gosh, months now. Um, I can't even remember the last time. And there are a lot of reasons for that. But like I said, I'm just I'm so happy to share with people that they're not alone. Yeah, it's it's so important that people realize this is a part of the process for many of us. And in some reflection, I think, for all of us at one time or another, that's a part of being human. And you mentioned before, student athlete and and being a student uh, first and then an athlete. But I would even take it a step further and say you're a person first and then a student Mm -hmm. and then an athlete. And and I really believe it has to be in that hierarchy Mm -hmm. because you have to address the person. And knowing what I know about you, certainly I don't know many people stronger than you. So I just, I think that when you're sharing this experience, it's super important if listeners out there if you've gone through this or if you have a son or a daughter maybe they should listen to this podcast and realize that this is very normal and the key is whether or not you're going to share it with other people that you get help and that you also take the steps that are just going to serve you and everyone's process is going to be a little bit different there Mm -hmm. maybe some people are going to be better off discussing it with family and friends and coaches and maybe other people are going to deal with it a little bit more in their own way through logging journaling and then maybe talking to a a professional like Mm -hmm. you did yeah yeah I just wanted to say um to your point there is that whether you choose to talk to someone about it or you don't I think the most important thing and you hear this all the time you know in movies and you hear people talk about it but it's so true and me having gone through it Um, I can, you know, say firsthand that it does get better and that, 
if you just hang on and again have that never give up attitude not just in sports but in this case life um everything happens for a reason and while you're going through it it you may not understand what that reason is and it may seem so far away from you and like you completely lost yourself but in the end it comes through and you're so proud and you're so um you know satisfied with the fact that you did hang on and so again just to whoever's listening if you do choose to sell, tell someone if you don't just remember that that it does it does get better that's that's wonderful advice and I can't. How old are you now, Katie? I am twenty, twenty-one, in about two months. I just, I just wanted to point that out because it just, it does, it truly amazes me at how mature uh, you are Thank and you. yeah, and well spoken, obviously, and confident. I mean, a lot of times I have to tell people that I'm talking with first time on their podcast. This is your first podcast you're doing, mm-hmm. and. And we kind of discussed how many people would be listening. And I think that would intimidate some people. And yet you're, you just, you're talking nice and loudly and confidently (laughs) and that's who you are, you know? And I, I love that about you. And so what I kind of want to reiterate here though, is the signs here, because you mentioned something before that a lot of athletes that get to these higher levels or maybe Mm -hmm. not necessarily the higher levels, but they expect perfection. Mm -hmm. They expect a lot out of themselves. And that is something that I have noticed a lot is athletes hold themselves back because they're trying to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And yet with the image that I have of you, the last thing I would worry about with somebody like you is, uh, is depression, Mm -hmm. but it makes sense when you're putting extra angst on yourself and extra stress and all that weight is on your shoulders all the time Mm -hmm. that that can just end up beating you down and and weighing you down. And then you have to find a way to deal with that and get that weight off your shoulders and realize that you can make mistakes Mm -hmm. and it is about failing forward. So I would ask you this final question on this subject, but Mm -hmm. what do you think you ended up giving yourself permission to be able to do to deal with all the stresses and at the same time fail forward? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying there? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think you hit the nail on the head for sure. Like I see it not only with myself, but with my friends and with my peers that when you get to that level, it's, you're not used to struggling in this area or this area. And then you put everything else that's going on in your life on top of it. And like you said, it just sort of weighs you down. So I think the hardest part when I was going through it was that, you know, there was this great quote that I read when I was going through it and it was that, um, the only person or the main person that you need to have your back is yourself. And through the entire time that I was really, really struggling with this anxiety and depression, I didn't like, I really, I, I, because I didn't understand why it was happening to me. I honestly hated myself for it. You know, I was confused. I was like, I have everything perfect in my life. I mean, I have the best family friends. I'm at, um, you know, a, remarkable academic institution, you know, living out my dream. And yet I still feel this way. So I didn't have my own back in all of this. And I just looked at myself as, you know, a constant failure. And so when that changed, when I finally realized that, no, you know, God loves me and I love myself and all these people, you know, just have this love for me that I wasn't 
recognizing everything changed at that point. It was like a light bulb sort of went off is the best way to describe it. And I still struggled and I still do struggle, but that makes all the difference in the world is how you feel about yourself. And if you're faithful as I am, I'm um, a devout Catholic, that realizing, you know, God is always with me, that is what makes and ended up making all the difference for me. I love it. Any any sort of community or culture, your team, your support system around you is going to love you and support you no matter where you're at, no matter how high you rise or, or how low you fall. Mm-hmm. And I think once you recognize that and understand that, then it can actually help to elevate you to uh, even higher levels. Mm-hmm. And at this, at, uh, I, it makes me think, I shared with you, I also suffered from the, some depression when I was younger, not making it to the, uh, the Olympic trials. And yet, really, that was sort of my whole identity mm-hmm. for a long time. And I was that big fish in a small pond, and then I had gotten to uh, higher levels and then showed up at this time trial where I was really going to prove myself and uh, led it for 19 miles. And the last mile, everybody just that was anybody that I was trying to beat that day passed me. And, and that was my cutoff. That was it for me. That was the end of my competitive journey to the uh the trials and uh although that day was not an actual uh olympic time trial standard day it was just a day where i realized that i wasn't going to make it um and i had to accept that and then there was there was some tough times ahead of me after that because i put my whole identity in that Mm -hmm. so that being said you are so well accomplished already even uh i think you have um an all-time leading score, don't you, for three-pointers, was yeah, it? Yeah, so I set the um, Davidson all-time record in a single season for three-pointers. Amazing. For women, because, you know, Steph Curry is, is the other one, and he's got me by quite a bit, but <laughs> <laughs> for women, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely, and and also uh, I think you've scored a 1,000 points now for your mm-hmm. – yeah. For that was this last year I had just – um, surpass that marker. Absolutely amazing. And so I mentioned that too, because next, this is your last year. Mm-hmm. And then next year you're going to be moving forward, moving, I say moving forward intentionally, but realizing that your identity is not just in basketball. So let's just talk about that a little bit. What's next for you and how do you see yourself? Who, who are you in five, 10 years from now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my um, aspiration after Davidson is to go to business school, go to grad school, and I would likely like to do that right out of Davidson, so that would be next fall. Um, You know, I have big dreams. I want to start my own business, you know, and um, what that looks like, I want to help people who are struggling with mental illness, being someone that has done that. Um, I don't know exactly what that would look like as of now, but... You know, that's really the main goal and the main dream. And that has changed um, because, you know, my whole life it's been, okay, excel in the classroom and excel in basketball. But now basketball's over in a year, like you said. And I have these new goals and these new dreams that are very career-centered. And, I mean, I want a family, and that's way down the road, like you had said about in five or ten years. But all this stuff is coming up very fast. So it's pretty crazy that um, it's all happening so suddenly, but um, I'm ready and I'm excited. 
Yeah, it goes it goes quick. Let me tell you, you, you say five and 10 years, but it goes so fast before you know it, you're looking back like I am and saying, geez, what happened to my 20s, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I still can't believe that I'm closer to 50 now. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. <laughs> right? so listening to you, I wish that I was uh i had my head screwed on as well as as yours is though when i was your age i was just uh just kind of bouncing around at that point and especially after not really knowing what i was going to do after my competitive running mm -hmm. and uh yeah i did i did some fun stuff like hot shotting and and but really what i was doing is just trying to kind of uh use my energy for some good and I did AmeriCorps, National Civilian Community Corps for a couple of years, but I was really just kind of lost in trying to at least give that unfocused energy some purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was really happy I did AmeriCorps especially, um, did a lot of projects, unmet human needs and educational projects, environmental projects, public safety projects. So it gave me a better idea about serving Mm -hmm. and serving others and it uh i bring that up because you've already mentioned that you really want to use your knowledge and your competence and all the things that you've gotten out of both being a student and an athlete but primarily as we say as a person it comes back to that is serving others and it, it strikes me how many successful athletes i've been blessed to be around that end up dedicating a lot of their times if, if not their careers towards serving others mm -hmm. and so that's just it's it's really nice to hear too because I know I'm starting to get to be that old fuddy-duddy like <laughs> age where and I'm thinking to myself oh man what's going to happen with this next generation mm -hmm. but then I hear people like you talking and I know that that's why we're always going to be okay there's always going to be people like you moving our culture forward and uh, that's something that I feel blessed because my part of my legacy is to serve my athletes here so that they can turn around and serve other people and that compounding effect sort of like that ripple effect in the water right mm -hmm. and that's that's sort of the legacy that i've always wanted to to live and it sounds like your legacy very similar mm -hmm. but what do you think about at the end of the day katie there's going to be challenges in your life still coming at you that you'll have no idea Mm -hmm. what's going to happen. And I know you specifically had written to me about everything happens for a reason and you believe that. Mm -hmm. So let's talk more challenges now in your life coming up. You, you lose your job mm -hmm. and the economy is really bad. You have things like COVID where people are losing their businesses and they've worked so hard. You mentioned about owning your own business one day. You can work hard for 10 years, something mm -hmm. like this happened and lose your business. Mm -hmm. How do you think your experience as a person, as a student, as an athlete, how are these experiences serving you so that you can deal with that kind of a challenge and still make it forward, even when you don't know what's next? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And I've obviously shared about my anxiety and depression, but growing up, and I had mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, but I have that underdog mentality. And that is without a doubt something that will follow me my entire life because I kind of, again, just touching on how I got to Davidson, I was not heavily recruited. I had these dreams of going to Stanford and to Princeton and to Penn and these really big name schools. And, you know, they didn't, they had talked to me, but they didn't really want me. And thank God, I'm just going to sit here and say, thank God, because had they did, 
I never would have ended up at Davidson. I would have never given Davidson, you know, the little tiny liberal arts school in North Carolina a second look. And Davidson's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, But at the time when I wasn't being recruited, you know, I was a junior or whatever in high school, it was like, well, why? Like, I'm doing everything right, or I felt like I was doing everything right. I'm working so hard. You know, I'm just as good as the girl that I'm playing next, that's playing next to me on my AAU team. And so um, all these feelings, but I just, I never doubted myself and I never gave up. And I know I keep saying that, but during that entire recruiting process and prior, you know, when I was that five foot nothing girl that everyone was like, you know, you should look into something else. Division one basketball is, is going to be tough for you. All of those experiences and all those moments are without a doubt going to carry me into the next phase of my life because, you know, it's very likely that something like COVID can happen again. And who knows where I'll be at that point. And just to have that, well, you know, it seems like it's a bad thing now, but after all these things that's happened in my life that seemed bad but ended up being, you know, the best thing that's happened in my life, that is how I'm – going to approach whatever happens to me in the future I'd like to say that's how I'm going to approach it because that's how I have for the last 20 years and it's worked out pretty well I would I would say no absolutely that's that's that perfect attitude about compared to what I've been through this challenge or these type of challenges and come out the other side before so I can do it again and uh, I'm just trying to think here, who is now the coach and, and who is the uh, student, right? Because... Uh, oh, no, no, no. I, I feel like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, I, I do. I feel like you have so much you can... T- I think you should you should look into, uh, you know, being some sort of a life coach or, you know, I, I think uh, you, you remind me of... I talked to sports psychologists from all over the world. Tomorrow, uh, Thursday morning is when I, we have a talk twice a month. And you sound just like these coaches. And uh, it's part of a program I'm in with Dr. Joanne Docotter, and uh, it's called PECI. And I tell you what, you, you already sound like one of those coaches, and you're 20. So we'll, um, we'll finish by uh, saying that I greatly appreciate the lessons that you have brought forth today that I'm sure a lot of up-and-coming athletes can listen to and learn from. But even coaches like myself, I'm absorbing what you're saying. I'm going to be listening back and taking some notes about this, Katie. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, so um, I would love for anybody that wants to talk, you know, up-and-coming athletes or just really anybody in general to reach out to me. My Instagram is KT underscore Turner one. Um, you can find me on there or you can email me at Katie a Turner one at gmail.com. Um, and Matt and I are very close. So you can also go through Matt um, if you have that sort of connection, but perfect. Yeah. yeah. So you guys can get in touch with us. Aaron at PendolaTraining.com if you want to email us there. Remember, you can sign up for our newsletter as well at www.PendolaTraining.com. And if you like the show, then like the show. So give us some love. We'd love to hear some reviews and responses. And, of course, let us know how we're doing and how much you love Katie today. Thanks so much, Katie. Thank you, Matt.